in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? The St. Louis Blues beat the Colorado Avalanche in overtime last night, forced a game six. St. Louis scored a game-tying goal in the final minute of the third period. The Avalanche were 50-something seconds away from heading to the conference finals. Is Colorado going to blow this? Do you believe that St. Louis can win two more and win this series? You know, I wasn't so much worried about the game-tying goal. I was more worried about the fact that they blew a 3-0 lead in this game. Um, a closeout game on home ice, blowing a 3-0 lead against a backup goaltender is something that might leave a scar for Colorado. This isn't what we talked about with Golden State, right? With Golden State, we said, yeah, they might have just decided around the third quarter we're good to go home and win game five and not chase this against the Mavs. But... Look, this is a Colorado team that still has a lot of lingering questions in the back of their head after they lost to Vegas in the second round last year. Uh, St. Louis is a team that has Stanley Cup medal that clearly did not get phased last night when Nathan McKinnon went one on five and beat everybody for a goal with three minutes left. They just came right back two minutes later and got the tying goal. For his hat trick, too. Like, Nathan McKinnon scored one of the greatest goals of the postseason to get a hat trick, and somehow Colorado still managed to blow that. Hockey, as I usually tell you, is dumb. Colorado has the highest expected goals rate of any team in the second round. Just second round matchups, they're 57%, better than anybody else. So, this is the biggest uh, mismatch by the analytics. That doesn't always translate, but two more games for Colorado. I have to imagine Colorado actually that the hockey is not dumb enough that the next two games, at least one of them doesn't go Colorado's way. I, I still think they advance here and they're playing in the conference finals and have a legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup. Friend of the show, Dom Lecision gave Colorado a 96% chance to advance before game five. I don't care about him. Next question. Kelsey Plum doesn't like coming off the bench. She gave this quote to, to Sean Reed of The Athletic. F the bench. I'm so sick of the bench. I'm a starter in this league, and I know it, and I think everyone else does. That was given to Sean before the season started. If you remember, Kelsey Plum was coming off the bench last year under Bill Lambeer, uh, one sixth woman of the year. Now she's a starter under Becky Hammond, and we're early, eight games in, but her, I think it's 18 points and five assists a game, would be her career high if she keeps those two numbers up. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed the undertones of Bill Lambeer, despite having very good teams, was holding this team back, and specifically holding Kelsey Plum back. Undertones? Under There's nothing under about these tones, man. Everything has been clear from the Aces that they were done with Bill Lambeer. And to Bill Lambeer's credit, Bill Lambeer also said, I think, you know, as I'll paraphrase here, I think they were done. And so 
Kelsey Plum saying this shouldn't be a shock to anybody. And frankly, yeah, the Aces were good, but the Aces were a team that were lining up three centers next to each other on the block and just saying, here, throw it to one of them. Like, it just wasn't any fun as a basketball team. And now you got a team hitting 18 threes in a game. So it's something that seems like a breath of fresh air, not only for the Aces, but for us as fans. Less than Sorry. 10 games removed um, from... I got you. Corey Ziedman. You're good, Danny. Corey Ziedman was arrested on charges of fraud, money laundering, that's related to a $25 million sports betting scheme. To read from ESPN's story on this, Ziedman and his unnamed co-conspirators received more than $25 million in interstate wire transfers and private commercial carriers over 16 years from victims who were led to believe that the organization had privileged information that made betting on sport events, sporting events a no-risk proposition. As part of the scheme, Ziedman and his co-conspirators placed misleading radio ads in various U.S. markets claiming to have a sophisticated white-collar approach to gathering sports information. When listeners contacted the service, which knew, used names like Gordon Howard Global and Ray Palmer Group, they were told the organization had privileged information about fixed games that it received from physicians at colleges and television executives, according to the indictment. Adam, how surprised are you? First of all, thanks for giving 30 seconds to the ESPN story, not the legal sports report oh, story on that. I, uh, I greatly appreciate the plug as I come on here at 7 in the morning. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised because this is basically the outgrowth of all the tout services that are out there saying that they've got, you know, stone cold lead pop, lead pipe, uh, lock of the century of the week picks out there. Uh, no, I'm not shocked at all. People want to believe that someone has the type of insider information out there that would let them win. And I ask anybody who thinks that, why would they share it with you? Why are they giving you that information? They could very easily use that information to make all that money on their own. So no, nobody knows that games are fixed from doctors at colleges or TV executives. And just to add one more piece to this question for you, Tyler, if anybody told you that a business you were going to get involved with was named Gordon Howard Global, <laughs> would you not immediately think to yourself, who the hell is Gordon Howard, and why has he gone global, and why should I trust this? No, he told me the games are fixed because a doctor at a college told him so. Why, what else is there to do? I, of course, the team doctor at, at Miami says the game's fixed. I got to believe him. It's, it's Gordon Howard. Who doesn't have that good of a reputation? I don't know. I would trust the Ray Palmer group before I would trust Gordon Howard Global. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. Talked about this story earlier in the week, but we have our resident referee, Adam Candy, in today. Uh, story about Las Vegas referee Perry Woodward, who was beaten until he was unconscious by a coach and his son. Uh, they were at a rec league basketball game. Woodward uh, actually was in the parking lot trying to intervene in an argument between a different referee and this family. Apparently, there was a wife also who uh, was said to be the most verbally aggressive the coach and the son both allegedly punched Woodward, who then woke up in the hospital after being knocked unconscious. Um, Adam, as a referee, I have to imagine this struck uh, quite close to home for you. Well, uh, this story is personal, Tyler. Um, I've worked with Perry before. Um, the referee that Perry was going to defend is someone I've known well for 
a number of years. Uh, I have worked games at this recreation center before. Uh, everything about this speaks to why I do not work rec league basketball anymore. Um, and that's not to say anything about Perry, who uh, is it, 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 it's it's horrifying to think about anyone being in this situation. But someone like Perry is as mild mannered ultimately as he is. Um, it drives me a little bit crazy um, to hear a story like this. Uh, I will add for anybody who doesn't know, there is a GoFundMe out there uh, to help with Perry's expenses. I have donated, let me refresh it uh, right now. Uh, there's a goal of $25,000 for his medical bills. $6,200 has been raised so far. So um, if you haven't read the story over at the Las Vegas Sun, I, I suggest that you do. Um, I, I think you know what my thoughts are, Tyler, in terms of what uh, what happened between uh, the family who did this and and the referee. I don't need to add anything to that. I will just say that um, they're kids' games, y'all. They're they're kids' games, and and no matter what you think happened at a kids' game, uh, this is somebody's life that you have changed, if not for the short term, definitely uh, for uh, I should say, if not for the long term, at least for the short term. The uh, the part I'm curious on just sort of like I don't know I guess every day or every game type uh, activity from a ref. Part of the the interesting thing here is that Perry Woodward was not the referee that the this family was mad at. He actually right. stuck around after he was done calling games. And I'm curious is there a is there a level from a referees where maybe you're in this rec league setting where it's you know a lot of games that you feel like you need to stick around because something like this could happen? Or, or is that just he was sticking around because he was friends with the other ref and was just waiting around until he was done? I mean, it, in that situation, it could go any old direction. I will say often, if you know that it's a potentially adversarial situation, you're looking for the person who runs the gym as much as you're looking for other referees, right? Because what you're looking for is someone who is accountable for keeping the gym safe and once the game's over that's not us as referees anymore um you know i like i said i know the official that uh, that perry was uh, defending sean uh, someone i've worked with uh, for a number of years uh sean is uh, assigning some games as well so you know um we shouldn't be in that situation is really the, the the answer to that question, Tyler. As officials, we should not be in the situation of having to feel like we need to watch out for one another because someone has gotten so abusive during a game that they might be followed out to the parking lot and get into an altercation. I, I will tell you that I have had parking lot altercations uh, before that never thankfully got physical, but absolutely from parents who didn't know any better than to leave the official out alone after the game. Next question. The Yankees placed Araldis Chapman on the IL. Uh, how many Yankees are hurt right now, Adam? All of them. <laughs> All of them at one time. The, the The crazy part is, before this past week, they were one of the healthiest teams in the league. And now it's Stanton, LeMahieu, Gallo just came back. Uh, Higashioka, Donaldson, Green, Loizaga, and now Chapman. Um. Araldis Chapman, do you think he's the closer for the Yankees at the end of the season? Only because Aroldis Chapman can't pitch in any other role. He he has been wired at this point to be the closer, and he's not one of these guys where you just say, well, we bring in our best reliever in the eighth. He has shown mentally that if you mess with his routine that much, 
he's not going to be effective at all. And it's not like he was particularly effective last year for the Yankees or this year. There's one year left on the contract. Aroldis Chapman is still a reliever who can get hitters out, but he is no longer the Aroldis Chapman who terrifies everybody with 102. Who is the Yankees reliever? I was looking at their numbers yesterday that has like a 900 ERA plus this year. Uh, I believe you're thinking about Clay Holmes. Yes, it was Clay Holmes. What's he given up? Like one run on the entire season? Uh, yeah, he has not given up a run in his last 22 innings. Clay Holmes, by the way, was acquired by the Yankees last year at the trade deadline from Pittsburgh where he was toting around about a 5 ERA. And the Yankees <laughs> picked him up for a song and and have uh, turned him into another one of their bullpen reclamation projects. Yeah, his career ERA with the Pirates, 557. His career ERA with the Yankees, 105. Yeah, it's pretty good. That'll work. All right, coming up next here on the Press Box, we got some coaching candidates for the Golden Knights. We're back to the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Ed Graney going to join us in about 40 minutes. He's out at Raiders OTAs this morning. Hopefully we'll get an update on uh, how fast some people are, maybe how big some people are. Marcus Mariota is not there anymore for Ed Graney to tell us how big he is. So we'll have to find out who else is very big. We had a report yesterday from the fourth period on the Golden Knights coaching search that they have interest in Paul Maurice and Rick Tockett. Paul Maurice has been a head coach in the NHL for 24 seasons. He was uh, with the Hartford Whalers, became Carolina Hurricanes, had a stint in Toronto, actually had another stint in Carolina before being in Winnipeg. He stepped down back in December. Uh, Rick Tockett, six seasons as an NHL head coach, mostly with Arizona, uh, a couple years with Tampa as well, one playoff appearance in six seasons for Rick Tockett. Adam, do either of those names jump out to you as, yep, that's a good hire, that's one the Golden Knights should or need to make? I'm not going to pretend to know them inside and out as voices for a locker room, but no, on the surface, neither of those names really moves the needle for me, and I don't understand how any of them... Uh, I don't understand how any of them move this team forward. And I guess that goes back, Tyler, to me not understanding firing Pete DeBoer in the first place, uh, (laughs) because I still don't think that that was the right decision. But at the same time, a decision it's made. So do you see anything in the resumes of Paul Maurice or Rick Tockett that say this is who takes the Golden Knights from good to great? Resume-wise, absolutely not. I mean, Rick Tockett, again, six years as an NHL head coach, they went to the postseason once. Now, he was in Arizona. It's not like Arizona goes to the postseason very often, but still, it's not like he did anything there to make you think, oh, yeah, this guy could do it with better roster. And then Paul Maurice, I mean, 24 years as a head coach, only nine playoff appearances. Like, that's that's not very good. Now, he did uh, make a run to a Stanley Cup, lost in the finals, and made two other conference final runs where they lost. So he does have, once he gets there, a fairly good track record of going far in the playoffs, though he's never won it. But nine playoff appearances in 24 years is is not good in a sport where more than half the teams make the postseason. Like that's that's just not a a good mark for Paul Maurice. There, the part that I found funny is we had Kelly McCrimmon announce the firing of Pete DeBoer and talk about that the roster, the players needed a new voice to go forward they needed that new voice in the locker room when Paul Maurice stepped down from his job in Winnipeg in December his quote afterwards was if you'll allow me some arrogance I feel I'm better positioned than anyone to know that they need a new voice they haven't quit on me 
but they need somebody that can get them to that next place. This is like unbelievable hockey cliche, and it would be very funny if the Golden Knights hire the guy who just stepped down because his team needed a new voice because they felt the Golden Knights needed a new voice. What does it mean to say they haven't quit on me, but they need a new voice? <laughs> because to me, if if they need to hear somebody else, they're not listening to you anymore. And if they're not listening to you anymore, then yeah, they've quit on you. I don't understand what the difference is there. There isn't, there isn't a difference in that. If someone has stopped listening to their boss, they're out on that boss. <laughs> I think it's a, it might have been a level of Paul Maurice trying to explain, hey, they need a new voice, and then realizing... That sounds kind of bad. I better clarify. They haven't quit on me. I didn't lose the locker room. They just they just don't like what I have to say anymore. It's it's a very strange hockey term to sort of vaguely cover up reasons for firing people. I will say one thing on these two, and this is where like I will admittedly have a blind spot. Stylistically, system of plays. I don't know that Paul Maurice or Rick Tockett would be better than Pete DeBoer, but maybe there is something that their teams do. Maybe there is a way they play that George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon look at and say, we think that would fit the roster. We think he can get the most out of the, the group of players we have. We think his style will fit the roster we've built better than what Pete DeBoer was doing. And maybe that's an explanation as to why. But if it's just a new voice and whatever i i couldn't i couldn't get behind either of these two as being a an upgrade over pete DeBoer. do we see that big of a difference statistically in the golden knights from gerard gallant to pete DeBoer? we really don't right fundamentally this team has played the same type of game from the jump right it, it, like year one golden knights the golden knights were a team that was trying to beat you with speed and the Golden Knights have gotten away from that a little bit. But at the same time, what we've seen is that the Golden Knights are a team that analytically, you and I look at year after year and say, yep, they dominated Corsi 4 and they lost 2-1. Right? And, and, and it's been the same thing for, for quite a while here. So how much of it is they need a new system versus how much of it is they need the same players to play together in some sort of system for a length of time? I, I am not someone who, who thinks that, oh, well, you can't play fantasy hockey and just try to get all the good players. No, you, you try to get all the good players, but then all the good players have to play together at some point. Yeah, I think there's there's a very easy assessment of last year, and the Golden Knights made this, which makes the Pete DeBoer firing even more confusing, but there's a very easy assessment of last year that, yeah, if, they, if they're healthy, they're, they're, they're probably still playing, right? We're talking about Golden Knights playoff games right now and not a uh, head coaching search at the moment. So there is a level of this where whoever the Golden Knights hire is going to be set up for success. Whoever the Golden Knights hire is going to walk in and, and they're probably going to have a good season. They're probably going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to be winning the Pacific Division next year, regardless of, of what type of system they run or, or what uh, new voice they bring in. So I, I don't think there is a – I don't think there is going to be a significant difference in the team next year regardless of who the head coach is i don't i don't think it's going to matter it could have been pete DeBoer, could be paul maurice could be barry trotz could be somebody else that hasn't even been mentioned whatever i don't think it's going to matter too much i think this team's going to be good and maybe there's some adjustments in a postseason series that one coach makes that another coach wouldn't and that's that's the difference but 
as far as as how good this team actually is next year, I'm not really convinced the coaching staff is going to make a significant difference on that. You know, when we talk about needing a new voice, let's get down to who needs a new voice. Right? Who is it in that locker room that needs a new voice? Because I, I don't understand among a group of players who, when we ask these types of questions to them, right, when we talk about motivation, when we talk about, like, did that fire you up? Did that get you going? Did that this or that? So often the answer we get is we're professionals. Like, we're paid to come out here and do our job every night. So who is it that needs a new voice? Did Jack Eichel need a new voice after playing half a season for the Golden Knights? Did Mark Stone need a new voice when he was trying to get back from a back injury? Who is it that needed a new voice? Because we talk about the 500-man games lost, which, again, uh, Ken Bulky from Sinbin did a very good job of breaking down how realistically, uh, if you factor in how the Golden Knights were trying to maneuver around the cap, they don't get to take credit for more than about 60% of those injuries because about 40% of them were planned. But if we're trying to talk about managing around that situation, then who is it that needs a new voice? Because the players that we saw for the Golden Knights last year either were injured or didn't perform up to the level that we expected them to. And I don't know that it's a matter of Paul Maurice coming in after 24 years and having some magic hockey thing to say that Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, who've been around the game for that long or more, wouldn't be able to get through their locker room. Or Pete DeBoer, who's taken multiple teams to the Stanley Cup Finals, or Gerard Gallant, who still has a team in the playoffs right now. One last thing on the whole new voice part. I love that it's such a common cliche in hockey, but yet they hire the same 36 guys for 32 jobs. That they, they never think, hey, we need a new voice that nobody has ever heard before in the NHL. No, we just need a new voice that ran out at another team. His voice didn't work in Winnipeg, but we need his voice here. It'll work out very well. Coming up next. Darren Millard tells us whose voice the Golden Knights need. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Milsey Millard. Good morning, Darren. Ed's not here. Adam Candy's here instead, so you don't get to yeah. have your have your love fest with Ed. Uh, but you can still dump on me if you want. Somebody's jealous. I am. Somebody's I am a little a jealous, little jealous Adam. Sound. I do sound jealous this morning. Yeah, well, you do. I mean, so, we, we, we know all about how insecure he is. Exactly. Yeah, I have a question for Tyler right off the bat. As a person right, that excited. raises fake horses and yep. chickens, do you follow the Triple Crown a little closer? No, not at all. That makes no sense. I don't own a horse in the Kentucky Derby. No, but you think you'd follow racing a little bit more because you're into racing. I'm into fake my ride. fake horses racing, not into other people's real horses racing. Hmm. I will go uh, to like little... Del Mar in California, and that that's always fun. But I'm not going to like go out of my way to learn more about the horses. I watch the Kentucky Derby, but that's the three minutes of horse racing I'll watch in a given year. Hmm. How much do you bet on a day at the track? I mean, I've only been uh, once or twice, so like ten dollars, twenty dollars per race, and that's it. Oh. Well, under bucks we're not, a day. Yeah, we're not there to like lose a whole bunch of money. Come on, yeah, I'm not. I'm not good at this. I'm not claiming to be good at this, but it's fun to races for a day, and then that's it for that's a, that's enough for an entire twelve months period. Do you make more money on the fake stuff or the real stuff? Oh, absolutely, the fake stuff. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, not it's not. You even live close. in a virtual world. 
Yeah, not even close. Um, no. I, have, I have an important question for you, Darren. I need you to help oh. explain a, a hockey cliche for us. Mm. Why on basically every coach that gets fired or a lot of coaches that get fired in hockey, why is the phrase, uh, we need a new voice? Why is that always brought up? And if that's the case, why do they always hire formerly fired coaches and not an actual new voice who's never had a head coaching job before? Well, the, the idea is a new voice is a new voice to that particular team. So hiring a former coach uh, that's been uh, through uh, the gauntlet before is uh, really of no consequence because it's a, it's a new voice to the new group. So that, that explains that. I, sometimes I agree with it. I think the, um, uh, it does get old. It doesn't get through. I mean, I go through phases uh, with my children where it, it, it doesn't get, uh, it gets old and I've got to try a new tack to, uh, to try and, uh, and get my message across. So, uh, John Tortorella is, is a guy who I think has a certain shelf, uh, life. Uh, with, with his, uh, approach. Um, and then you've got, uh, others like, uh, Barry Trotz was was with uh, with Nashville for more than fifteen years. So, uh, and and that's what makes the Islanders uh, move really puzzling. Is is Barry's proven that uh, that he can have a long lasting uh, tenure? And then he was uh, with the Capitals for a year because of a contract uh, dispute or a couple of years, and then uh, and then through the Islanders uh, just through a couple of years. That that's the idea. It's a new voice to the team, not uh, not a new voice overall. Somebody we've never heard of. Darren, you mentioned that sometimes you need to take a new tack with your children. Have you ever tried the new voice thing there? Do you bring in other parents to see if maybe them talking to your children in a different way will get different results? No, uh, but that's a good idea. Uh, what I have tried, though, along the same vein, Adam, is just removing myself and leaving no voice for a while. I just go for a walk or uh, a little bit of a drive and just uh, just, just cooling down and, and letting them have, have no voice for a couple of minutes. And then I then I come back and I try to be fun dad again. Is that good for the kids or just good for you? I don't know, Lila. Is that good? A good approach? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really good approach. It's the first day off school and she's already up, so she's missing school today. Um, all right. We had a report from the fourth period that the Golden Knights are interested in Paul Maurice and Rick Tockett. As head coach, uh, if we start with Paul Maurice, there, what would you like about a hiring of Paul Maurice? Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of his. Uh, that would be interesting because uh, he and Pete Spore are best friends, uh, which would be uh, uh, I don't think awkward for them, but uh, just uh, an interesting um, uh, angle uh, to it. Uh, he would certainly get the four one one on on uh, what to do and where to go and all that kind of junk uh, in and around town. Uh, I, I love uh, the way he communicates with his players, uh, and I, I also am, am a big fan of uh, of him uh, with the experience and being able to. Uh, he's seen everything basically. So, and he was a he was a coach in his twenties in the National Hockey League. Uh, I have nothing but uh, but awesome respect uh, for for Pete DeBoer. Uh, known him for a long time. Worked with him in television. Uh, Really, really fun guy as well. Uh, Rick Tockett, uh, I think, is, uh, and I should uh, let this uh, be out there, like I'm friends with Rick, so um, uh, I'm happy to hear uh, people talking about Rick uh, in contention for these jobs because uh, I say it, but sometimes uh, I'd like, am I, am I, am I clouded because I'm a buddy of his, or am I, am I 
right on the money. But I'm a, I'm a, I love Rick's approach to the game. I think he's he's again a great communicator. Uh, can also be really tough and stern with his players. Uh, he's, he's top ten in penalty minutes all time, which gives you an idea that uh, that the guy's not intimidated. Not that he's going to go out and commit fouls, but uh, he's uh, he, he's not intimidated one bit by any situation. And uh, he's he's won cups, a player, coach, and uh, he's seen it all. And uh, I. I I think uh, if both guys want to, they will be in the National Hockey League next year. Uh, they they both won't uh, won't uh, both obviously be in in Vegas, but uh, but I think that uh, if they want to, there's so many openings right now, and they are at the top of the list now. Paul stepped down from Winnipeg. I don't know whether he wants to coach again. Uh, I, I I don't know, uh, and that will be interesting uh, if he if he does want in. He coaches next year. Uh, same with same with Rick. If he wants to uh, like leave the television after a year, and he's been so strong at that and got better all year, uh, I think he, he coaches in the league again. But those are two candidates that uh, that I would go. That that'd be awesome. To, to explore the whole voice idea a little bit more, Darren, how was Pete DeBoer's voice different than Gerard Gallant's? Uh, I well, I think Gerard it comes across uh, as more of a, a player's coach. Uh, Pete has uh, a little bit uh, more of a sterner uh, approach, and but but Pete's very uh, Pete's really good uh, behind the scenes at communicating and talking to his players and 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 that like. But I I think that uh, at the time it wasn't. I don't think it was as much about. Pete, like they, I don't think Vegas made the change because Pete was available. Uh, it was a great timing that Pete was available. Uh, I think it was uh, they were worried that the uh, that uh, that Gerard's uh, approach just wasn't getting through uh, to the guys. That that's my uh, assessment on it. Uh, I mean, uh, and, and that was my first year with the team, so I hadn't been around uh, a, a long, long time. But uh, but just like the Torellas, uh, there's uh, a, a belief that maybe. Uh, player coaches, uh, their, their message doesn't get uh, gets a little lost, and, and maybe the players get too comfortable with it. So, but they they are different. I think Pete's more intense. Uh, I know Pete's more intense uh, than than Gerard is, and uh, yet Gerard, we see him at the end of games and and and, and uh, getting upset. Uh, that's behind the bench, but on a day to day basis, upset. I would say I would say it's a it's a little different uh, between the two. We had Riley Smith on the show earlier this week. He said he wants yes. to stay in Vegas. He would like to retire as a Golden Knight. Um, how likely do you think that is, given that the Golden Knights are already over the salary cap going into next year and Riley Smith is an unrestricted free agent? Yeah, I think it's uh, like it's, it's daunting from uh, the 30,000 feet when you look at the, the salary cap and, and where they are and the, the different uh, situations that you mentioned. Uh, unrestricted free agency and and uh, and the, the challenge within uh, the salary cap that that looks daunting. Now uh, here's the 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 best thing that, that Riley Smith has going for him uh, wanting to retire as uh, as a member of the organization is uh, one he loves it here that's obvious and number two uh, they love him. Uh, management's big fan of, of, of Riley Smith uh, the organization. Uh, loves Riley Smith. He's a great player, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so there you have you have uh, a seeming match. Now you got to make it uh, work on on every end. Uh, the, the, the team has to make room for him. 
they have to they have to go out and, and make those transactions. And uh, Riley has to uh, give up the opportunity for unrestricted free agency, uh, which is uh, a big thing for all players uh, to do that. You you dream of that uh, through the course of your career, uh, having uh, that opportunity to decide your your own destination and uh, and being able to take your your skills to the open market. So uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's more doable than the thirty thousand foot angle but it will be uh challenging i hope they get it done i'm a big fan i've heard your conversation with riley and uh and just he, he sounds so great and he's uh, obviously uh health-wise sounds uh sounds like he's he's really made progress and uh he's uh he gives you help on the power play and the penalty kill and uh he's the strategist chief strategist on that line he is always coming up with a good place and he can score so uh, i would love to see it all right, Darren, go find a new voice for your kids so they listen to you throughout the summer. Leela, do you want me to have a new voice or an old voice? <laughs> what does that mean? I can, now i got to explain it. Okay, yeah, well, have fun right. with that. He's Darren Millard. Okay, Catch him you. on the VGK Insider Show over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Thanks, Darren. See you, boys. So, there is Darren Millard. Um, Adam, just so you know, we had Riley Smith on. He was talking about unrestricted free agency. And he's basically saying, like, you know, I always thought it'd be great to be an unrestricted free agent, but now that it's here and I don't want to leave, it's not the greatest thing. And I said, oh, well, it's it's great if you're on a team you don't want to play for. And he said, yeah, if I was in Winnipeg, it'd be a wonderful thing. Yeah. uh, Thank you for listening to Cofield and Company, by the way. We played uh, about five minutes of that interview uh, on Cofield and talked through it a little bit. Uh, the part that stood out to me about listening to Riley Smith was where he was talking about, you know, the type of hockey that he'd like to play, the type of hockey the Vegas Golden Knights could get back to, which all sounded to me like Riley Smith saying, if you bring in Barry Trotz, I'm out of here. Oh, oh, man, that'd be fun hiring a coach that players don't want to play for. That's not a good voice, is it? Well, uh, that voice would say, I want to win every game, you know, by playing defense and shutting it down and the golden knights team that at its foundations was having fun playing five four games probably wouldn't love that all right coming up next we'll jump into another fun sports betting topic live from the finley toyota espn las vegas studios is the press box with graney and bischoff Adam Candy filling in today for Ed Graney, who we will hear from in about 10 minutes. Uh, Later in the show, next hour, we are going to have tickets to give away to go see the Eagles. So make sure you stay tuned if you want to win a pair of tickets to go see the Eagles. Now, an interesting story at LegalSportsReport.com. Much uh, better. About You're welcome. But about Josina Anderson, who works for CBS Sports. Um, Can you – I don't know if you have the actual explanation here. Can you – Give me what you do know about why she was tweeting and tagging Bovada, an offshore sports book, in some of her like breaking news tweets. Yeah, so we dug into this over uh, at Legal Sports Report because we noticed that Josina Anderson was tweeting NFL news, just kind of random NFL news nuggets, and at the end of the tweet would tag at Bovada officials, which is an illegal offshore sports book that has had a presence in the United States for a long time but of course this has been an interesting time to be having this story out there because Josina Anderson who used to work for ESPN 
works for CBS Sports. And CBS Sports has a massive deal with a legal sports book in Caesars Sportsbook, which uh, used to be William Hill. And so not only was she tagging Bovada in those tweets, we then saw she was hosting uh, an interview with Adrian Peterson on something called Bovada Live. And so, you know, it's not to say that Josina Anderson was out here trying to do something necessarily nefarious in any way, but there's still a lot of confusion among a lot of people in the market as to what is a legal sports book and what isn't a legal sports book. So we asked Josina Anderson, we asked CBS, we asked Caesars. Uh, we did not get an official response from any of them, but I will tell you, we did hear from uh, people in Josina Anderson's camp who wanted us to make clear in our story that she's not doing anything illegal. Now, to me, that's a non-confirmation confirmation, because when you say she's not doing anything illegal, you're telling me she's doing something. And if she's doing something, then she is doing something uh, that we understand was arranged through a third-party company. It wasn't Bovada you know, coming to Josina Anderson saying, hey, we're a sports book, promote us. There's an opportunity that came through a third party. Uh, what I can tell you is that even though we haven't gotten an official on-the-record response about her doing this, that we definitely have noticed that since we asked the question last week, there have been no more tweets tagging Bovada from Josina Anderson. So, yeah. Aside from the obvious, like, eh, it's an offshore legal sports book for people here in the United States, I, I'm fascinated by the idea that CBS has a deal with Caesars, but one of their employees would have a have, somehow have a separate sponsorship agreement with, even if it was a legal sports book, another sports book. Well, it's interesting to us about it is that when you look at her Twitter bio, it lists CBS Sports, but as we dig into this, it appears that in some way it's contract work and not you know full-time on-the-staff wow. work, which I think would make it maybe different yeah. in terms of how the rules would apply in that spot. But at the same time, these deals that sportsbooks have with TV networks are massive, massive, multi-multi-million dollar deals in which companies like Caesars have a vested interest in making sure that the legal market is being promoted over the illegal market. And so we find it very interesting that, you know, Josina Anderson, who if you um, when I went to put a photo with the story, you see that the one that is from AP Newswire is her with a CBS Sports mic in her hand interviewing after the NFC championship game. So the CBS Sports work is quite recent as well. So one of the tweets you guys used as an example was Josine Anderson tweeting about Deshaun Watson uh, meeting with the Browns. And just at the bottom of it, it says, at Bovada official. What value is in it for Bovada just to have them randomly tagged in a tweet with nothing said about him? Uh, there's a good amount of value when the person doing the tweet has 221,000 followers on Twitter and a similar amount on Instagram, right? I mean, this is essentially you're paying for access to the Twitter account. I'm it's why Darren Rovell exists. You know, like <laughs> like at this point Darren Rovell is not so much a human as he is uh, you know, an animatron with a 2 million follower Twitter account. And so, you know, I'm not saying that's Josina Anderson, obviously someone who has been a very high-level journalist for a while, but what you are paying for is exposure to that many people who are probably paying attention to the legal market and are interested in football. 
Here was another thing that you guys had in your story at Legal Sports Report. The idea of blurring the lines between illegal and legal sports gambling. I don't know if you have a good estimation on this, but how many people do you think have like placed a bet with Bovada here in the U.S. and didn't know that that was illegal? Well, I, I think the number is high. I think it's intentional because Bovada, MyBookie, BetOnline, they all actively push PR to reporters, to radio hosts, to get their odds out there. So I can't ask, answer you that directly, but I can tell you when the AGA, the American Gaming Association, estimates how many people bet on the Super Bowl every year and how much money is wagered, the overwhelming majority, they say, is being wagered either in the illegal market or with bookies. All right. So Bovada and the... Uh... What, uh, Ryan Howard, I can't remember the names of it. Man, that would have been a good way to end the segment, but I blew it. Damn!